0: Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o co. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode.
1: Lads, we are back. It's game day.
0: But there's it one. It is game thing. day.
1: Montreal. Wh- toast- what? <laughs>
0: what's the sad thing?
1: Yeah. What, what? What's going on?
2: There's no one around anymore to tell us to quit clowning, clowning around.
1: Oh, we'll get to Brian Burke. We'll get. I love how Ron Hexel gets hired as the GM in Pittsburgh, but everyone cares about the president with Brian Burke. Like I've seen next to nothing when it comes to the talk about Hextall, which I feel really bad for. But which I is weird. Guess that's what happens when you go to sports dead and you're like the in the face of Canadian mm. media.
0: It's weird that no one's talking about Hextall, considering you know Philadelphia and now Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for him though.
1: Well, we'll get to that a little later. Let me let me do the whole cheeky Sorry. intro. Yeah. a little cheeky intro, nuggets of nuggets of news. Yeah. It is game day. It's Wednesday, Scotiabank rivalry night or something like that. They, they coined this as That's the Habs tough. host the Leafs, guys. And I cannot tell you the sadness that is in my veins that the Canadians are hosting the Leafs like, up, you know, the block next to me and I can't go watch it. It, it, it is a terrible feeling. I'll tell you that. Um, we'll preview that game later on in the show. Um, we've got lots to talk about. Our retirement, line A got benched already. Same, to, so, same with Dean Kukin, but no one talked about that. Um, we have F1 news I want to get to. Yeah? You thought we forgot? No? Lewis Hamilton, he's a Sir Lewis Hamilton. He's a knight. Um, though I guess, yeah, to open the show, news of the week, guys. The Flyers, their legendary goalie, and former GM at the same time, the guy who built the Flyers as we know them today, really, yeah. Ron Hextall, has been hired as the new general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And almost as in b- bigger news, really, and going with him, but instead as the president of hockey operations, Sportsnet's not former Hartford Whaler GM, Leafs, Canucks, the guy who basically, you know, who built the duck team and won the Cup. Who did he Sports draft? Own. The Sedin, Swedish Twins, Morgan Riley, Nazem Kadri. Brian Burke is gone.
2: Bobby Ryan.
1: Bobby Ryan. He he he, he was this close to getting Crosby. I hope he, he called Sid and was like, I finally got you. Yeah. Though so I guess your first, we'll get Berkey out the way. I don't mean to say it so rudely, but it's like <laughs> Everyone is talking about the Burke side of this When Really, maybe we should be talking about the great general manager. But I want to get your guys' feeling. The first thing we saw Brian Burke after he was, was hired by Pittsburgh, he does this media availability, and the tie is undone. He's
0: what a surprise.
1: So <laughs> what did you guys Burke make of... I didn't think he'd go back to hockey. I don't know why. I thought he would just... Live out like live out his 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 days in on the, on the camera. I shouldn't be surprised, but I am, and I'm gonna send it to the guy who's met Brian Burke on this podcast and the Ducks fan, Daniel. Your thoughts on Brian Burke?
2: Honestly, I think from you know that meeting him, and you know he's he's a really nice guy, by the way. Yes. Um, I'm happy for him. I remember they were also former players or former managers that have spoken about it, that, you know, when they switch into like a network job, that desire, you know, to want to get back into the thick of things is, is always there, no matter how long you are from it. And I, I felt it with Brian Burke, like he had so much knowledge. to, He still wanted to give um, a lot of what he did before. I really think like his position in Calgary was a bit, you know, a bit of a premature thing. I think he expected to stay there longer, but, you know, the Flames are at a better position because of him. Um, I don't know what this is going to kind of mean to the team in a way that what Pittsburgh is at this point. Because one thing I kind of feel is I know he's going to be the president of things, but we know how Brian Burke is. He's not a guy that likes to take, you know, the slow approach to things, he's not a guy that is gonna look at this team as like, hey maybe we should like you know fill a bit of the foundation he he's a guy that when mary lemieux said we're still in a win now situation brian Bricks like i absolutely agree with you and i think it's gonna be an interesting thing because with jim rutherford we thought about these like these moves and i know he wasn't the uh he he was the gm of it but at the same time it's just it's kind of a crazy thing that i, I think about that what what Brian Burke's going to bring to it because and I know we'll get to it but like Ron Heckstahl was a guy that you know he was he came into the Flyers to kind of fix Paul Holgram's mess there and he treaded a line that I think was what unfortunately like got him fired because he wanted to keep things as they were but also he still tried to build like at the same time.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that, uh, today there was a, an emergency 31 thoughts podcast where Jeff Merrick and Ollie Friedman had Brian Burke. It seems to me, the feeling is that, um, the penguins will sort of ride out this year doing what they can, but then this summer they are really going to sort of build their blueprint from there. Um, and then I'll, I'll shift it here, right? Alex, there is a reputation around with Ron Hextall. He was, the, so of course, the assistant GM in the LA Kings for a long time. Really helped build that team into the two-time Stanley Cup champions in the 2010s. Then he goes to Philly, and patience was, his, was just this is the word you used to describe him. Got canned there because he wouldn't call up Carter Hart. And now look at the Flyers. They're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. No. You think it's fair that we've just sort of crowned him this builder, this sort of you know, I, almost kind of what people are joking with Steve Arsenault is now.
0: I I think it's fair. Like you look at Philadelphia, it's it has Ron Hextall written all over it, mm-hmm. and I think it's unfortunate the way things turned out there, considering he didn't want to bring him up, and you know the fact that he's a goalie himself. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that was the wrong move um, from his standpoint, right? If that's what ultimately got him fired. And, you know, you look at Carter Hart now, we're having it. We're obviously having a different discussion. But I think what he did with that team to start with, it's his fingerprints all over this thing. Yeah, you have the guys who were there before, but the prospects and the younger guys who are now in this lineup have his is literally Ron Hextall. And I think the to tie it back to Burkey, I think what you might have here is kind of the best of both worlds because Burke can um, is gonna be involved, right? And I think from the standpoint that it's a win now mentality in Pittsburgh, I think that might be Brian Burke's expertise. Like, yes, he only won one cup, but those years in Anaheim and even so, like. Not here in Toronto so much, but I think he was trying to build, help build towards that in Toronto as well. Mm -hmm. Help with the now mentality. Whereas Ron Hextall, where I think his expertise is going to come, is replenishing the prospect pool. Because, like, we've had this discussion so many times where it's like Pierre Oliver Joseph and Samuel Poulin. And Joseph's playing in the NHL right now. Mm -hmm. Like what else they don't have a whole lot else in terms of prospects who aren't in the NHL yet.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, The funniest thing about how this all sort of came together, apparently the flyers were set on I guess not the flyers, sorry. The penguins were set on Hextall after his first interview. He had a second one. And this is all from Elliot Freeman, by the way. Uh, And apparently through this whole process, they were using Brian Burke as a, a, a sort of soundboard trying to get information. At some point, the ownership group in Pittsburgh, which of course includes Muriel Lemieux, said, let's just get Brian Burke on. What's really funny about this is I listened of course, all three of us listened to 31 Thoughts before. Ah, You know, Daniel, you've been lucky enough to actually contribute to that podcast. There's a credit on one of those episodes with you. We always mention that. Um, And, you know, I've always heard, you know, at be like, oh, I got this message from this person, this person. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to DM him and just be like, did you have any idea? Because it doesn't seem like you did. And he actually got back to me. And he's like, I had no idea. Like, he's like, I didn't. I didn't know Berkey was going there. So I just want to say that I had a one-on-one conversation with Elliot Freeman. It was two tweets, but anyway. <laughs> a personal <laughs> conversation with Elliot Freeman about hockey. He liked my shoes and he gave me the scoop on what he knew. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, that's what friends of the show, you know, do for you guys. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, he was also talking about that apparently around like 150 or something he, um, when the, the news came out, Burke had apparently told him, you know, I'm going to Pittsburgh. And Elliot didn't believe him, but he's like, listen, he eventually did. He's like, oh, crap, this is happening. Yeah. And made him sort of hold on before he let the news out, which I thought was really, really, really funny. Also, a little detail here is apparently Ron Hextall was asked about if it's okay to bring Brian Burke in. And he was fine with it. Um, and yeah, it's like Burke, and you can see it with, with some of the moves again that he made in, in, in Toronto you guys are trying to talk about here. He's not afraid to pull the trigger to make the moves better. But again, that virtuous nature of, of Hextal to maybe sort of, we're going to take a step back here for our prospects. You guys have said it as well here. It, it really seems like a good match. And I'd see, I much like Burke as a president more than I do when I do when I do the way and my mic cut out. Uh, oh, that's
0: okay. Fine.
1: Whoops. Okay. <laughs> it's Something's okay. Going Just, keep going. Just keep um, you going. You know what I mean though? Here. Yeah. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. So I, I, it's a weird combination because, but it works, right? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it could be weird as hell, but if it works, it works.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: And I think a lot of people, give Brian Burke a lot of crap because of some of his takes on Sportsnet when it comes to the physicality of the game. And a lot of the time I don't agree necessarily with, with his thought process, but I, I still think this combination works because I think whether he's a hundred percent, right. I don't necessarily think so, but I think to a certain extent he's right because mm-hmm. like, I'll use Toronto as an example. We've the last three years. I think Dubis's mentality has been skill, skill, skill. And I think lot, And when he when they played Columbus, they learned that that's not gonna go. That's mm-hmm. not gonna work. So look at the moves they made this summer. And I think that's what that's the mentality that Berkey has somewhat. So I, I guess it's an interesting match, but I think it will work out for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know, like it's there's it's just one, one two things. So the first thing is, I know there's a difference between the player and the manager, but I just find it kind of funny that we're talking about how calm and patient Ron Hextall is,
1: yeah, compared <laughs> to how he was as
2: a goalie. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I
2: didn't really get to watch him play because I wasn't born yet, yeah. but um, really, like yes, <laughs> but I watching you got to watch
1: the Richards in their heyday.
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah, um. That was with the DeLorean, you know, that was not That was not natural. Uh, you were you know,
1: there, it's just because you were mocking up to, what was it, what you told me, 77 miles per hour? 88, 88 miles per 88. hour. 88 miles per hour, sorry, go yeah. back. Funny tidbit
2: with that, actually, because of that movie, I wanted to only learn how to drive manual. But anyways. Really? Uh, yeah, because of that movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one thing I find with that is, yeah, just looking back at his old games, like, fighting everybody, going after players when he let in a bad goal, and then suddenly we shift to, like, he's a very patient guy that, uh, I, honestly, what he got the Flyers out of, like, I thought they were l- going into, like, a full-fledged rebuild of some sort. Like, you're going to see, like, Couture or Giroud or um, Voracek, like, sold off because you know, Paul Hogram's the president there now, but, you know, he really put that team in a bind with the contracts he gave away. I forgot, like, looking at this before uh, before this episode, like, you know, Mark Streit or, uh you know, Andrew McDonald were giving, like, given huge contracts to try to fix that defense. And yeah. the way Paul Hogram Holgr- um, kind of, like, put that there, and he's like, all right, I'm going to be the president now. I'm not the GM anymore. And then... Yeah, Ron Hextall has managed to kind of maneuver around there. And I think maybe that's what Pittsburgh needs right now is a bit of that balance, a bit more of we could still keep making the moves to try to get what we can with the core, but you know, let let's start thinking about, you know, not maybe this season, but look ahead that, you know, Crosby and Malkin are not going to be there forever.
1: I know a move you can make. Maybe you uh maybe bring in Sam Bennett. I stole this from Alex. I know I did. That's okay. It
0: doesn't matter. I put it in there and I put in the document. It'd be hilarious if Sam Bennett did go to Pittsburgh though. Like think about how, like how often Berkey talks, like talks about the guys in Calgary. Wouldn't it just be
1: the two grumpiest people in the NHL.
0: Right. Um. But I, I just, before we move on, I think yeah, Daniel yeah, yeah. brings up a very good point about patience. And I think there's going to be a lot of inpatient fans in, in Pittsburgh, considering how successful they've been throughout the 2010s. And listen, like, honestly, how many more years will this team be a contender?
1: Can't be more than three, can it? Crosby's what, 30, 33, 34 now?
0: Like, uh, yeah, probably around yeah. there. Like, Malkin and Crosby and, and even Latang. Like, it feels like a lot is riding on them. So mm-hmm. as soon as things go down for those three players, it, it feels like that's, that's where we're really coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And, and, um and it's interesting to see how long they gave Hextall, I think four years plus the optional year for number five, mm-hmm. obviously number year one it is, would be the rest of this season. So, they, I feel like maybe they're interested in going long term cool. with Rod Hextall because I don't think the ownership group in in Pittsburgh. I think they realize that hey, like we're coming to the end of our of our contending period, and yeah. we need like it could either be really messy or it could be done well and done properly the rebuild Mm -hmm. or retool whatever it is because like sure you can build around Jake Gensel but injuries and he's not Sidney Crosby
1: yeah um, or even
0: Evgeny Malkin
1: yeah Um, one thing though I know you can't really rebuild until you you get rid of Sid but if there's if there are a handful of players in this league that I would like to see retire with their current teams uh, Sidney Crosby's up there I just I don't I joke about it, but you know, like if I had a choice between seeing Sidney C- Crosby play in the Montreal Canadiens jersey or like him finishing with Pittsburgh, I'd say finish with Pittsburgh just for the sort of the sentimental value of it. Um, it's just yeah. he's a penguin. Um, I, I, you know, he's done so much for that franchise; it's it's incredible. Uh, one of the all time greats. Anything else you guys want to add to this situation before we move on?
2: Uh, just two things. Uh, just the funny thing you talked about with Crosby, because I'm just remembering um, the jokes that were like, Martin Brodera will always be remembered as a St. Louis blue. Yeah. I remember that was kind of circulating uh, for a bit. Um, the second thing is like, I completely agree that, you know, it's kind of time to think about these things. Because Alex brought up a good point with like Jake Gensel, that Pittsburgh, for the amount of prospects and picks they've given away, they've been so lucky with Gensel, Rust, John Marino, all developing into what they are today. hmm but when you look at it, like, they took quite a bit of time to develop. These were all NCAA guys. These were, you know, what Steve Dangle calls, these were the magic beans mm-hmm. kind of picks that you get later on that, you know, it's never a guarantee with these things. Like, they gotta have to start thinking about asset management in, like, a more meaningful way.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything else? Okay. Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good see the Pittsburgh Penguins. Forget about the new GM. Get a new medical staff because it feels like everyone is injured all the time there. Right. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets are in the news still. Um, Again? They are this year's Ottawa Senators. Maybe not as bad on the score sheet, but when it comes to news, they are a disaster. And Aaron Port's line, hey, everyone follow him. He's the best reporter this year. Let,
0: let's, not, let's not compare them to Ottawa. Okay. Ottawa, Ottawa had some downright embarrassing Things the last few years, and it and especially with Eugene. Let's get okay.
1: Well, okay, so <laughs> might, I, this might be an
0: insult to Columbus.
1: <laughs> I, I, first of all, think that this this line A stuff has been blown out of proportion. Um, but before we get into the line A and Dean Kooken, because Kooken got it too, guys. Let's mm. not forget about Dean Cookin. Uh, exactly. Another top I, six guy. I, I, I always get Dean Kooken and D and Dominic Cahoon mixed up, not gonna lie.
2: Yeah, same worth. here.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, for the longest time. But first off, the Columbus actually won their last game against the Hurricanes. You love to see it. Before that, they lost one against them. Um, there was, I'm going to read you an article from scoutingtherefs.com.
2: The whole article?
1: No, just a bit of it. The Columbus Blue Jackets challenged Vincent Trocek's goal, believing he was offside. They were right. The NHL just didn't realize it in time. Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella challenged the play, issuing the, uh, his first coach's challenge of the season. Columbus went three for four on challenges last season. I love how people are, are attracting that, by the way. After a brief review, Trocek's goal, by the way, uh, sorry, let me say that again. After a brief review. Brief. Trocek's goal was allowed to stand, giving the Hurricanes a 4-3 lead. The Blue Jackets were assessed a minor penalty for delay of game on the unsuccessful challenge. This is important because, by the way, this game finished in a one-goal contest, um, and the Blue Jackets lost that game by one. The puck was dropped moments later, and the teams played out the uneventful minute 15 to close out the second period. After the intermission, Tortorella received an explanation from the officials, reviewed Sorry, review confirmed that the play was offside. The goal would stand, but the remaining 45 seconds of the penalty would be taken off the board. Quote, what? so genius to take 40 seconds off the clock, said Patrick Laine. I've never seen that one before, but I guess there's always a first time. And this is from the NHL's official explanation. Columbus requested a coach's challenge for offside prior to a goal at 1845 of the second period. During the review, a miscommunication occurred between the video replay booth in Columbus, the linesman in the situation room, and play resumed before all replays could be reviewed to confirm the offside. The challenge by Columbus should have resulted in the Carolina goal being disallowed. Subsequently, Columbus was assessed a delay of game penalty. After confirmation in the intermission that the play was offside, the remaining 45 seconds of the delay of game penalty issued issued, was rescinded to begin the third period. For those of you who don't know, rule 37.2 addresses this whole problem. And the problem is, why do you not take the goal away? any potential goal requiring video review must be reviewed prior to and or during the next stoppage of play. No goal may be awarded or disallowed as a review or video, video review once the puck has been dropped and the play has resumed. And Colin Campbell came out and talked about basically there was no precedent for this. Now, by okay, the but rules, you have a
0: ru- uh, that, so rule that's so stupid. Yeah, that's yeah, by lot. the rules, the you're league,
1: right. The league totally dropped the ball on this, right? Totally did. Well, that
0: explanation doesn't mean anything, like you have, but by the rules, you're right. they mm-hmm. by the rules, technically, the goal shouldn't have been called back, so mm-hmm. oh, there's no precedent for this. Well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna change the rule, like I don't know. Like, the, you're right, the goal that's so miscommunication. How? So how you you're telling me you couldn't fit, Like as soon as he said, no goal, where was the miscommunication? Because as soon as he got our goal, because as soon as he got the referee said, the goal stands and there's a two minute minor. I, if I'm the guy seeing in the booth and there's a miscommunication, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, and the,
1: the whole communication came as a result that, uh, so the refs, apparently overheard a guy saying that's a good goal in the situation room. And so they had taken their headset off. And with COVID regulations, the timekeeper has to sanitize the headphones. So no one heard the situation room going, it's not good. Stop it, you idiots. That's Um,
2: so irresponsible. Like, that's kind of, I know that. um
1: This is weird. Sorry, so, guys. So I just yeah, thought of one example.
2: For example, like, yeah. remember when we had Mike on the show for the draft, and he had his colleague with him. Yeah. It's like thinking like, I, we're gonna listen to the colleague say something like, "Oh yeah, that's a good goal." Like, "Oh yeah, okay, take it off now, guys."
1: Mm-hmm. Now I don't know about other teams, but I remember I once went on a a, a tour in the Bell Center, and there's of course the timekeepers area. There is the situation room, which is I believe it is in Toronto, right?
2: The tour de Bell.
1: Yeah, it would have been. And but in Montreal, there's actually a middle guy that's in one of like the the rooms around the gondola and that. So, the question, like, first of all, the refs kind of screwed up because I guess there was no sort of confirmation. The situation room screwed up, but I don't know if Columbus don't have that middleman or if if with regulations that's one less body. Now I want to ask you guys two different questions here. Okay. If you had to say so, yes or no, would you have taken the goal back? Daniel, starting with you.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's it's a tough thing because, like, it's, like, in that moment, yes, but then, like, afterwards, it's just another mess completely because this happens a lot in the NBA where referees apologize that they had,
1: mm-hmm.
2: they had the missed calls. But at the same time, it's like, we're not changing the score of the game. Mm-hmm at this point so it's just something that i kind of think about that you have to really work on like maybe put implement something else when these things happen that you know like a lot of these calls happen you know i i don't know how this works to be honest but it's just like is there like one solid voice that confirms yes that's a good goal or that's not a good goal like in the room like who do you hear it from like four other people
1: Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay, because mm-hmm. I have another question, and then we can keep going here. Alex, would you have, if the authority, would you have taken the goal back?
0: Based on the rules, uh, no.
1: No. Okay, because... You have, let's say, you no, know, you have complete authority.
0: Here. Oh, then, yeah, I would take the goal back, because that's ble- that's just blatant miscommunication. Now,
1: and- another question, and I'll start with Alex then, Daniel. Should the goal have been, kind like your gut feeling here, should the goal have been called back? Like we want to use a common sense rule or something. That's a term I love to use, common sense rule.
0: What, like based on the play? Because I don't remember the play off the top of my head. Like, was it, are you asking me if it was actually offside?
1: No, no, no. Well, it, apparently, they ruled it was offside. Like, let's say, you okay. know, just on the principle level of it, should it have been? Let's just Should take have been our called back. No bias, but like, just look at the situation, the facts we have in front of us. Should the league have said, have said, you know what, guys?
0: Well, we're
1: completely uh, screwed this.
0: I think you're. I mean, here's the thing: because it ended in a, in a one goal game, I think it would have been really weird to say, okay, we're taking a goal back. Because the thing is, now you have this game. That's, I think, what was the score? 5-4 or 6-5? I think it was 6-5. So now you have a game that's 5-5. Five, five. Now what? That That's the thing. So afterwards, there's nothing you can do about it. After the game, there's nothing. Because you're left in, a, in an awful situation where you're going to end up with a draw, which the NHL hasn't seen in how many decades. But... I
1: mean, Over time, but...
0: Yeah, but an actual draw, like a proper 5-5 draw.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, you score. Right?
0: Like, but you can deal with it in the second period, like in the second intermission, which they clearly figured out. Mm -hmm. So based on the rules, the thing is because based on the rules, um, no, the goal technically should have been – should have stayed because the puck was dropped and the play had resumed.
1: Daniel,
2: yeah, like, I'm going to go back to what I said before that you know, in the moment of this, that you have to be smarter about this, but because like when that game's done, the game is done, and like we've seen in other sports too, there's been a lot of you know missed cues, there's been a lot of like missed calls where you know umpires or refs come up and say like you know we have to. We we have to apologize that you know we missed this call or you know this wasn't something that was you know consistent with what we were calling throughout the game and it happens but you you have to kind of deal with it within the game like I I I, I I'm just gonna stress that because that that's just the like, you know that's the crux the crux of it that once you know the siren goes then you're not gonna be able to fix that.
1: Would you like to know my point of view on this? Yes. I think absolutely you should have taken it back. Like that that is it's that's not the ref's fault at the end of the like there is there's some blame, yeah. But the buck has to stop with the league on this. And you guys know me. I'm I'm such a a, a proponent of the common sense rule. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a goal. But then yeah. but then you start thinking, guys, it was only a minute 15, but then you start wondering, okay, what about we stretch it to minute 30? two minutes and like I am such a proponent of getting the call right but then you start getting into that question of then how far back can you set a review like in that moment I look at a minute 15 I'm like guys we screwed up here we have to make it right here because again this is not the first time the Blue Jackets in the past calendar season not year because I think they got screwed in December was it last season with the whole clock, um, like Tom not being back on the clock, Corpusalo got hurt in the shootout, and like a Wawensky-O didn't count.
0: I, I think, and I just to comment, like, I think it's different than going back, making a decision on a review. Like, I think this is such an anomaly that the amount of times this is actually going to happen, because you're right, like how far back are we going to change to the review, right? There's a whole discussion. Well, if they entered the zone 45 seconds ago and it was offside and then they score a goal, can you still review that for that goal to be offside, even though it wasn't a direct, it wasn't directly leading to the goal, right? That that's a discussion. I think that's different in this case though.
1: I hate that rule by the way. I think the moment, like it starts when you enter the zone, by the way, for me, if that stopped it offside, then he was offside. Like, I, I hate when people say, was that part of the goal? Well, yeah, because you have to enter the zone to do it. Like, and, like, and at the yeah. same time, do we ask, should we have offsides in the game? Probably not. But like, I, I would have in that moment, and I look at, like, in that situation, I would have said, no, guy, like, we have to try and get this back.
0: But you have to do it at the second intermission, though, mm-hmm. right?
1: And you didn't and you do it it was a, it was only a minute like in that moment you can oh, play yeah. another minute 15 added on to the beginning of the third you can do that There's yeah, yeah. That, there is precedent for that that has happened before yeah or don't yes. rush
2: it you know right when you get the call like the yeah. fans aren't waiting for you in the arena don't worry
1: mm-hmm. i gotta watch my head because the lighting of my blinds is just whoop.
2: are you binded by the light whoop. i already used Stop. that one Stop. Stop.
1: <laughs> um anything else you guys want to add on this before we go to the next bit of columbus drama
2: think so. Okay, we'll, we'll end up with a good one for him.
1: Okay. Mika Kovic, um played his entire career up until this season with the Minnesota Wild. He's played over 1,000 games, 700 points, 200 goals, and holds most Minnesota records. Um, got to play seven games with Columbus because they needed a Was not happy with his level of play and has decided to retire um i don't know about you guys and i tweeted this i don't know how in the world this guy didn't get a selkie trophy by the way and i do have a soft spot for the koivu's in my heart as a canadians fan um you know saku and now miku even though Saku's clearly the superior Koi, but i'll say that um so I-, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on miku and we we can get to the columbus part of this in a second because i think people are again overblowing this too much on torts but a smart are they blaming player... it on torts yeah, people were saying that he drove him out of town. I'm like, stop it.
0: Listen, I if he's been able though. to survive, if he's been able to survive Minnesota, come on. Like, we, all three of us have had the discussion about Minnesota and how they're in nowhere land. I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think torts was the issue.
1: Daniel, you are a resident Minnesota guy. I know, yeah. again, Columbus banner, but seven. You talk about Brodeur in his, like, six, seven years with St. Louis. He had the same thing here with Kordu.
2: Yeah, um, I think I'm going to just look back on his legacy of things. And, you know, I was very fortunate to see him grow up because, as I've mentioned before, you know, a young Daniel, very young Daniel, was a big Marion Gabarik fan. So I think that's when I really got into the wild. And, uh, into the wild. But um, what I kind of felt with that is when you saw that, Team kind of go through a lot of turnover. You saw Marian Gabarek take the big money and go to the Rangers when he was still one of the best superstars. You see someone like Miko Koivu kind of run with it, say that he's gonna stay and he's gonna, in a way, he really did stay to the end until like Minnesota's like, We are not re signing you because he became their first permanent captain because they used to have a rotation with um, him, Andrew Br- Brunette, I believe, and Richard Park. And anyway. yeah, and you know, he was a guy that he stayed there since two thousand and one. He's been a leader for them. I think the one thing that really signified things for me is that he never complained when the team was kind of tanking it, and he still stayed as the captain and the voice of the room, even when you got guys like Parise and Suter come in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um that was like a big thing for me. And another thing too was when we talk about the wild being in New Ireland, um, he didn't wave his no trade trade clause because he wanted to stick with Minnesota he wanted to see where they were going with things you know unfortunately it didn't work out but at the same time like he just was in a way an embodiment of that wild team like really since the beginning because everyone looks going to look at Gabrick and his career numbers but you're not going to look at the underlying things what we talk about with Koi but the leadership that two-way game that uh, that like commitment to the franchise so like I in a way, I'm just really happy for him that he had this long career. It's unfortunate he didn't get to the Cup, but you know that's what happens when you stay with the wild. But um, I'm just wishing him the best,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Alex.
0: Yeah, I mean Daniel. Daniel said a lot of it. Like it, must, it, he was, he was a guy. He was a guy in Minnesota, and like obviously Daniel talked about gabrik and, and 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 those guys. But those last few years, I feel so bad. I feel so bad for him. Like, obviously he was, his career was kind of clearly ending in a way, but like, you're right. And Daniel makes a good point. Like he didn't want to leave Minnesota. Like, I think mm-hmm. that was clear. And I, and I think we underestimate his value in that locker room there. And I think that is at this point in his career. I think that's his
1: best asset. Mm-hmm probably would like to hang to hand on to hang on to him and Eric's so it feels like there's a lot of uh, those could have been very valuable to some of that young core in uh, in Minnesota though um, it just there was such bad timing with this because there was the Columbus fiasco with the hurricanes. there was this even though there doesn't need to be any sort of connection to torts here um, right. We don't pay that much attention to Columbus on, on a normal season. Like, don't, no one should act like they do unless your name is Aaron Portsline.
0: Are you living, Columbus?
1: Even so. Um, listen, so Patrick Laine was benched for a majority of the second and in the third period. And um, I'm just going to read you a little snippet from 31 Thoughts that came out today. Um, Tortorella said the Line 8 benching wasn't because of a missed assignment on Brock McGinn's 2-2 goal Monday night. Multiple sources indicated it happened when Line A blew off one of the coaches who tried to talk to him about it. Tortorella has his code, and that would violate it, Friedman. Now, since then, like, Cam Atkinson has come out and said, We've all had it. Josh Anderson, who has been a, who was a Columbus Blue Jacket up until this season, said it happened to him plenty. He went, "Oh yeah, it's happened."
0: Even Keefe talked about it. Cause really? Because Torts, I think he was head coach when Keefe was there mm-hmm. for a year or so.
1: Listen, I, I get, and Dean Kukin happened to him as well. I don't know what happened with Dean Kukin. No one's talked Dean Kukin exactly. Um. No, it just, it feels like, like people are just giving torts way too much crap for this. Like if, if like you listen to the coach, like I, mm-hmm. I, I think we've very much taken line A side, a lot of the Winnipeg stuff. I think we've, we've harped on Blake Good. Wheeler and, and that, but I mean, like at some point, you know, there was talk about, I think Atkinson said it, I'm going to paraphrase this, that, you know what, if you just look like you're trying, no, it's, it's not, you can't fake it with torts. And like right. that's staff and that room is so tight and have been through so much together. You hope Line uh, a learns from this because, like, man, you it's like you don't he, blow off your boss when they try and tell you how to improve at your job.
0: He uh uh Line had a press conference this morning. I have a couple quotes from Diddy.
1: Okay. Obviously,
0: guess who the quotes are from? Aaron Port's line. Uh, <laughs> um uh Patrick Laine says he deserved to be benched further. He doesn't think it will have any impact on his future at the blue Jackets. The quote we've moved on. We've talked about it. It's going to stay in the room. All good. Now. Sometimes you say things you don't want to say. We've mm-hmm. talked about it and moved on.
1: That's good.
0: Do you, do you know why I think it got blown out of proportion? <laughs>
1: everything going
0: on. Dubois hadn't played yet. Right. Like, I think it was for me, I'm like, okay, like he got benched and you know, he probably like, he might've deserved that. I don't know what the, at the time I didn't know what the play was, but it, it was, it was more for me. It was funny that he got benched before Dubois even touched the ice as a Winnipeg jet. Yeah. Yeah. For
1: me,
2: um, you know we we know how torts is and a big thing too was josh anderson when he was interviewed about it he just laughed he's like yeah it's happened to me a couple times like it's just how it is with it um i know i think line is just coming from a point of i guess frustration he didn't play for a while and then he goes to columbus and still trying to figure out things but i don't know when i heard about like him yelling to a coach, I'm like that's like a very young person thing to happen because I remember mm. that used to happen, Evgeny Malkin before, with uh, yes, very like public, for, yeah, with an all check with uh, Dan Biosma. And then I remember there was one cut to it where like I think he kind of understood it by the time it was the 2016 playoffs that like you'll see Mike Sullivan yell at him when like Malkin is having a fit, and yeah he just kind of, like, took it. Like, not only, like, he took it, but, like, he just kind of understood, like, okay, like, you know, these outbursts or, like, these penalties he's been taking, like, it's so detrimental to the team that you need to kind of, like, buy into the system in a way. And I think, like, for me, it was just, a like, young, a, a young mistake for Patrick Leiter.
0: Even last year, we'll use torts as an example. Last season in the playoffs, he was ripping. like It looked like he was. He was absolutely giving it to Pierre-Luc Dubois on the bench. And Dubois, no reaction.
1: Mm-hmm. So There's,
0: it happens.
1: And at all levels. Remember it happened Nathan McKinnon and Jared Bettner a couple of years ago. And when McKinnon fell off the bench,
0: Landis <laughs> yeah. yes,
1: yes. Scott and was like, buddy, calm, calm down. Yeah. They're bad teams, all right? It, it happens, man. It happens. Um
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't like the this torch, I yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. it's
2: just the torch thing. It's just it's like a lightning rod in a way. Like it's just it'll happen across the league and then and then like it just it, it'll happen across the league, but I think with like Tortorella, it's just, it's a story there, right? It's something where mm. like, "Oh, here we go again with this." But like, I like the Steve Dangle thing where it's like, did they really just trade Pierre-Luc for 40 games of Patrick Lina and Jack Rosovic?
1: Rosovic had a nasty goal to yeah. beat Carolina the other day, too. Oh, boy, I was nice. Maybe
2: Jack Roslovic is a top-six center.
1: Maybe. We'll see.
2: Maybe Lina <laughs> was the throwing in the trade. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: well, like, listen, I don't think... I think a, a lot of people, you're right, Adam, blew it out of proportion and made it seem like, you know what, well, he got benched and, you know, now he's never going to sign in Columbus and he's going to leave at the end of the year. Like, listen, like, let's take a step back here. And I think what you said about the coaches, ha- like, um, torts his like rules, what, conduct rules, whatever he called them. I, I think you have to, you know, that this is like, every coach has this. I don't like, young to old, a coach has these rules that you're going to follow. And if you Mm -hmm. don't follow these rules, like take a hike, you're sitting on the bench. And I don't think this is the most unreasonable rule ever. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's very reasonable.
1: Um, this is a rougher story to talk about. Um, we talked about the first little bits of bell firings. So last week, the Brent Wallace stuff since then, it's just gotten worse and worse. Um, including Dan O'Toole from TSN, part of Jay and Dan, you might have heard of it. and now they have shut down multiple radio stations um, in Vancouver, Winnipeg. Hamilton is being rebanded, branded to like Bloomberg, whatever. Vancouver and Winnipeg are now being turned into comedy channels, yeah. I don't know if someone's knocking, but the oh. door is open. Um,
0: oh. I
2: thought that was like our, our, our cue.
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought and it was then, a, um, a
2: dramatic pause.
1: I'm worried now I should check that. Um, But okay, I'm getting really paranoid cause I may actually, that may be something very important. Okay, um, go, go. So just,
0: I just, we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah. More. You know, I'll yeah. give my opinion. It, it sucks, yeah. but you know, I'll be right back.
0: Um, yeah. I, I think this situation is, is really awful and, i think we've had this discussion on and off the podcast before a couple times um like media's not getting any bigger right like i think the pandemic even before the pandemic like we've had discussions with people and they've even told us that in school too like the media landscape is not getting any bigger any like the traditional media landscape where you go work for CBC, you go work for Sportsnet, you go work for TSN, you go work for, uh, CP 24, like that traditional media is not getting any bigger. If anything, it's getting smaller. And the pandemic obviously didn't help with that. And I think this, like, this just makes it worse. And obviously this one was specific to, uh, Sports, which I think hits hard for all three of us. Um, and what here's what hit me the wrong way a couple things hit me the wrong way. I think number one is they took money from the government that was supposed to be used as a stopgap to not fire your employees. They then went on to increase dividends to share owners and a couple other things. Then they run Bell. Let's talk. Two days later, okay. They fire two hundred people.
1: One thing, because I know people are saying they don't support that. It's crappy. But I still love the idea of Bell Let's oh, Talk, like, like, no, that no, still no. helps a lot. Yeah. Of don't don't get me, don't, so get me maybe, don't get me wrong. Don't get me
0: wrong. So That's I just wanted not, to
1: say quickly, like people saying cancel Bell Let's Talk, take a step back, please.
0: But just I just it step it step. left a sour taste yeah. in my mouth. Considering it, it's been less than like a week, I'm not I'm not saying get rid of get rid of it. I think the initiative is great, but. Mm. I think this came out of nowhere. And I think the way that they did it didn't, it, that's what left me. That's what left a sour taste in my mouth that it was like half an hour notice and the audacity to play like green day. What, I don't even remember the song at good the Rins. end of the good yeah. rinse at the end of the oh broadcast. Really? Damn. Like you gave them half an hour.
1: Yeah. Um, what was, sorry, before I throw it over here, you hear Daniel. Um, So yeah, employees had a 30-minute notice before they had to clear out their desks. I was checking the, because I think Bob McKenzie gave a shout out to a bunch of their workers. And I was checking their Twitter feeds because I'm wondering like, is there any indication here? And some of them about 13 minutes before the news came out said, all right, previewing this Flames game tonight or Jets at Flames, we'll recap it tomorrow morning. And it's like, you got it. And like videos of employees going to work and they're tuning into the station and it's not even, it's not that. Daniel, this is just Jeff Merrick earlier today on 31 Thoughts had a very, it felt very chilling from normally a very, you know, very uh, knowing, very positive person. He said, I judge people very much based on the way they say goodbye. How do you judge Bell now the way that they have said goodbye to three stations along with multiple other members of staff over the last few weeks?
2: I don't know. I think like for me, I'm going to take the Jeff Merrick approach where, you know, he has kind of expressed a lot of that disappointment. And for me, it's been a lot like what Alex said, like it, it hits us a lot because of the fact that it was sports that mm. it, it's just a lot to take in. I find that I'm I still believe that you know, what, what, what you're going to do with this industry. It just like, you just have to keep on going because like it, they've spoken before, like, you know, there's always an excuse to want to want to quit with this. There's always an excuse to like say, like get out of this industry kind of thing. But I don't know. Like I, I'm, 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 you know, the underlying thing is I'm hopeful for this, but like, I think for me, it's just the whole idea of processing everything, because like, that was a lot in quite a bit. And like, you know, with bell, I'm not, I'm not sure how this was kind of decided on like within this week these last two weeks to be honest because like if i i take one perspective on this it's just a weird thing because like i grew up with brent wallace i grew up with daniel tool and in like in a way too, like not saying like that's the standard of things but it's a kind of thing where it's like look what you can do if you work your way up Mm -hmm. and then these guys that you you've you feel unaware like part of your everyday like they're part of that that like social media consumption That like suddenly not there at least in the traditional sense like of where they are with TSN so that's just definitely something like I've been thinking about because to be honest I can't give a direct answer with this because like it's just on top of like the whole pandemic and everything it's just another thing to kind of process and I think more is going to come out later on because like I know Jeff Merrick has kind of also spoken that too that like there, there will be more details coming in that like he'll probably speak more on this as well
1: mm-hmm.
2: just
0: uh, it's it's really disappointing and What's i'm I, sorry 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 go, go, go. I, I just want, I, I want to know why like why like okay hamilton maybe i could understand i don't know how popular the radio station is that radio station is in Hamilton, but anytime I hear something sports related come out of Winnipeg, it's generally always TSN. Like, and and the same with Vancouver. Like, I know, like my understanding is TSN has been doing quite well in Vancouver compared to Sportsnet the last few years.
1: Yeah, it was higher rating than Sportsnet's station there. Like, that's what big-
0: I want to know. Why? Like, why? Why?
1: The, the real gut pun sorry if you guys mentioned this when I was gone. That Bell's profits were up in the first quarter of the year, apparently. It's like, are you serious? No, it's the way they, they handled it. I'll say it was just it was disgusting, really. The way I look at it, um, and yeah, like you guys said, it's just it's disappointing. Um, and I mean, it's not even like, yeah, COVID, but you're doing fine. And now all of these people are just, they're out of work. You know, they still have families. They need a roof over their head. They need food to eat. I mean, uh, it's gross. It's gross. Um, shall we move on, though? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in brighter news, by the way, is, are my mic, is my mic sounding good, by the way? Yep. Yeah, okay, good, 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 good.
2: It's the backwards hat. You know, it's, it's a different Got my- frequency.
1: I got my, yeah, I don't have my mint hat. I have my Hockey Fights Cancer <laughs> hat on. It's a great hat. Um, I, there are bad words I like to say to Cancer, but I can't say it because we can't swear anymore. The we, British man. We could
2: swear. Yeah, but we're okay with it. Don't worry. We love
1: voice that. Lewis Hamilton, the seven-time world champion, the winningest driver in Formula One history, has signed a one-year extension with Mercedes F1 team.
0: Can we just call him eight-time world champion now? Let's just get so, it over. I with. should
1: say this Let me rephrase this. Sir Lewis Hamilton, because he's a yeah. goddamn knight now. Yeah.
2: He has eight the, now, right? Or he, he, has he has seven. He has seven. But so he he's well Tom Brady or Lewis he's, Hamilton.
1: See, you know what? I saw everyone going oh, on that. about like Lewis, in my opinion, is the greatest F1 driver, but uh-huh. it's just it's very difficult to gauge that versus like the other goats, like Wayne. If you take about away all of Wayne's goals, he's still the leading scorer mm-hmm. in league history. Like I, I hate saying the greatest athlete of all time because it's, it's impossible. But like you know, the impact he's had. The Main straight is now the Hamilton Street at Silverstone. He's a freaking knight, like yeah. like, and a big part of their deal apparently too is there seems to be some longer term sort of just like inclusion project. I can't remember the details of it, but it was the last seat waiting to be filled for the f1 season we all knew it was happening but the british man he's back yeah
0: let's just give him
1: let's just give him a to start
2: isn't he like his interviews are amazing um talking about his upbringing and everything like yes you love the guy good
1: dogs yeah Yeah, well people don't like him because and let's be frank people don't like him because he's black and people don't like him busy because of how successful he is (laughs) I, think, I love Lewis. Hamilton. I, I think oh, I, I think Lewis there's Hamilton. a
0: lot of people who don't like Lewis Hamilton because he drives for Mercedes. There and is I,
1: definitely and, a race and, thing as well,
0: though. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. No, I'm not arguing that. But I think mm-hmm. there's there there is a good there's a good portion of people who don't like him because he drives for Mercedes and all they've done is win for the last six years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Five, listen, five, I like four him. Or
2: five years. And I'm a Honda guy.
1: You big Alex Alba fan? Yes,
2: I'm a Honda yeah. guy, and I, I I, respect and like Lewis Hamilton.
1: Listen, all he does is for, like, the good of the world. Like, like, everything he does, he tries to make everything better around him. He is he is such a genuine, great guy, and everyone's just like, nah. He sucks. It's only the – like, shut up. Yeah. I, I love Lewis. I'm so happy. You know what? I went into last watching my first F1 season – knowing what Mercedes were, but I didn't mind. And it made wins like Gasly at Monza, Perez at Secure. It made them that much better, all right? Yeah. Okay? I didn't
2: know that coming in. What? I uh, I had to, like I always thought Aston Martin or like McLaren, who would be like the well, they, top they tier. McLaren I'm, used to be good.
1: I'm about to – and by the way, Aston Martin didn't exist last year. They do now, but – Yeah. No. And Seb looks like he's turned 50 all of a sudden with his bald <sighs> spot. It does, does not look great. Um, anyway, That's though, what
0: Ferrari does to you.
1: Yeah, we're going to do two <laughs> more things. We're going to preview um, the Canadians and the Leafs playing tonight, the Canadians hosting rematch from the season opener. I'm excited, guys. And then we're going to look at an article about the – people have been talking about this of all the Olympic projections, but a Canada B team and how they would fare at the Olympics. Which would you guys like to tackle first?
0: Um, can we do the Olympics first?
1: All right. So I've linked it in the article. If you could both get yeah. it up quickly. Court- uh, it's it's I up. actually, uh,
2: we'll go through this after, but there's one line I'd like to read out that made me really sad in that article. Okay. And it's before the goalies. So
1: it's, bef- and it's, it's a down goes Brown article here. Mm-hmm. Um, boy so Sean. on the athletic, of course. So, okay. Well then why don't you read it out then daniel you go ahead and read out the lines then i am interested right. to see what's what's bothering you
2: okay what's bothering me is the goalie thing and i'll just read oh it my out God. it just um no like not the pics itself but just the sentence all right so
1: let's let's leave the breakdown Okay, we will say it say the rest of it let's keep to a a thingy just so people go read the article but like on the flurry well what 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 sentence didn't you like Oh, not the
2: flurry one. The first sentence was, Eric's team has Carey Price, Jordan Bimington and Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. That's three good players gone from a position that's become the weakest pool in Canadian hockey. And then this is the one that really hit me. The days of having to decide between Waugh, Brodeur, Joseph, and Belfort are long gone. We're going to have to dig a bit. Okay. My childhood's gone, guys.
1: That's fair. First off, respect Carey <laughs> Price, goddammit. Second of all, what's wrong with Darcy Kemper, by the way? The guy's so good. He would have won the Vesna last year.
2: His ears and are not plugged.
1: Picking wall. Stanley wall didn't want to go. Be quiet. He didn't like can't. He didn't need hockey Canada. Did wall, right? They needed him.
2: That's no, because of Nagano. Like they mismanaged that team.
1: Yeah. Not his fault. Just like top. Okay. So I want to look at the, like the, the graphical team there. Right. Mm. Because like, I, I, it's easier to look at. All right. Um, so I'll give you guys the full team here. And by the way, I think one of these is such a stretch, by the way. So goalies for the main, because they had the whole pool, but the, the graphic, I think they got decisions to do up. The goalies are Darcy Kemper, which I forgot about him. And now I'm thinking I would put him on the main roster ahead of Bennington, by the way. Marc-Andre Fleury. Always a good shout. Yay. Mackenzie Blackwood. Yes.
0: Which
1: is a very fair shout. The defenseman. And do you know what? I've looked at two of these guys and like how the hell are they not on the May team? The guy who just seems to get no respect in Dougie Hamilton. Brother of um, Lewis. What?
2: Brother no, of Lewis.
1: Stop it. Um, Mark Giordano who has been regressing a bit. But he's still up there. He's 37
2: Darnell. in real years, but he's actually only like 33, like based on where he actually started in the NHL.
1: Eric Angles put a, an article talking about how Petrie sort of come up and like how he's gotten better with age. It's kind of the same as Mark Giordano. Second pairing I have is Darnell Nurse and Shea Weber, which I'm like, that's not bad. The I third like pairing it. is Sam Girard and Brett Burns, and the fourth pairing is Ellison and Spurgeon. And I was like, I hey, like man, it. That's not bad. No, that's really not bad.
0: Like I wouldn't Um, even feel bad if that was like team a
1: no Dougie is. I love, I love Dougie. I love Dougie Hamilton.
2: I just wish he didn't get injured. Like that would have been a monster season last year.
1: Oh, he would have won the Norris. Yeah. He would have won the Norris. Um, Do you know what's funny? I see this team. I see three Canadians and I'm like, wow. Montreal are just such that no elite talent, but just such steady team that half of, you know, a good a good portion of B-team Canada are Canadians. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, the first forward line, this is just the fact that they don't have Patrice Bergeron on the A-team. Get out of here. All right, stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. So their first line is Stamkos. We should put good vibes in the air, by the way, that Stan Coast can get onto an Olympic team because he just hasn't had the luck.
0: He should be on the first team, too.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty so sure I good. had
0: him on my roster.
1: Just no respect. Um, Taylor Hall, which is uh, fair. I get it. Um, the second line, Tavares, Sagan, and Giroux. I think you can make cases for all three of those guys to make the main team. Yep. Um, maybe not Giroux because he's... Uh, Giroux has not been the same since his wrist injury. The third line, Manta, who has had a... We have not talked enough about Manta. Um, Travis Konechny. Uh, it's funny that both those guys got scratched this week, eh? here, uh, luc Dubois. Fourth line, Monaghan Couture, Brendan Gallagher. And then the extra forwards, Phil Deneau, which I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, Phil. And Alexi Lafreniere.
0: Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah.
1: Like... <laughs> Okay, he could be good. Like, he hasn't had a terrible... It doesn't help that the Rangers are actually god-awful.
0: Like, I think there's guys I would put ahead of him right now. Yeah.
1: Like He could impress the rest of the season. I'd be like, cool, but right now, we're going at Lexi? Really?
2: Anthony Sorrell. Does
1: Doughty plays forward?
2: No, um, like, I'm like, Joe he Rampers made the team at forward. 19. Hmm? Oh. He made the Olympic team at 19.
1: Oh, my God. This is... um, I just... And so these these are the Team C candidates, by the way. Anthony Sorelli, Tyler Toffoli, Hoffman, Jamie Ben, Joss Anderson, Braden Shen, Jeff Skinner, Yanni Gord, who I forgot was Canadian. Uh, Eberle, how do you not have the Canadian hero on the B team? That's disgusting. Duchesne, Kadri, Ryan Strom, Alex Kalorn, and Jonathan Druin.
2: Okay, the thing is, like, this is what always happens. I think, like, in a way and this is my opinion the the canadian b team is a more realistic team than the a team and this is why and i'm not saying it's because like they're better or anything but you know how team canada really is notorious for line balance and you know finding finding something to well they don't do it anymore like apparently like i don't think they can anymore with the whole chemistry thing Mm. They're not gonna really do that anymore. Um, but I think when it comes to, like the balancing of things, like this is these picks are very realistic. Like an Anthony Mantha, a uh, uh, like not Sorelli. Sorelli is, a, I think, at a different tier. But like when they mention like an Alex Colorn, um, or you mention even at this point, it's, it's gonna be like a Rick Nash pick, like Jamie Ben at this point. And it's all about that balance thing that. I think that this team's just a bit more of what I think Hockey Canada would actually do compared to like the A team, where you like you know you pick the best guys available.
1: <laughs> you know, what? I was I was thinking at first, you know, maybe they could probably beat the States, and I had a second look at the States roster. Their goaltending is Gibson and Hellebuck, and I'm like, and their their defense was going to be like Jones, Hughes, McDonough, Slavin, McAvoy, Krug. John Carlson. <laughs>
0: yeah. Would <laughs> they f- medal? Um probably. You think? Well, I okay, so my opinion, if we're looking at like what the big 5 or big 6 of so Canada, <clears throat> US, uh, Russia, Sweden and Finland, am I missing someone? No. No right. I think they beat Sweden and Finland.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. <sighs> You're gonna. You think they beat Sweden?
2: They don't have Henrik yeah. anymore, Lundqvist.
1: Yeah. You ever heard of Victor Hedman?
0: I have. I didn't even say yeah, but
1: that. you ever?
0: But he can only play like thirty minutes. You know Jones no.
1: played sixty. He'll do it.
0: <laughs> no, but Jones played sixty in a game that went that was like two and a half games.
1: Yeah, I think mean, he'll do it. I and The disrespect for Sweden.
0: Oh.
1: Their, their structural game is so good too. Sweden, how do you think that they've got the best defenseman in the world okay. on their team? What are you doing here? I
2: mean, like this is still like a borderline. Yeah,
0: but team. the Edmonton Oilers have two top ten players. And look at look at what okay, they're okay, doing. Hold
1: on a they have Juju Ara. Sweden has like the best Swedish players in the world. That's fair.
2: Fair point. I, Fair point. I don't know. Like this team is okay. Do they beat Russia?
1: Mm. How good is Askarov then? I mean, like okay, well, so, like, this, this is from yeah, World I this think is from Vasilevsky's World... overrated. This is
2: from World Championship and World Junior. I mean I'm World Jr. I won't mm-hmm. I'll dic- I'll exclude the word World Junior, but this is from World Championship experience. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the grinded-out Canadian teams have always been able to beat Russia. But like when it was always like a bunch of stars don't make the playoffs or they're eliminated early, they always lose to Russia. So this team might have a chance because I always find that, like, you know the teams that they have the top-tier guys, but they don't have, like, a McDavid or they don't have, like, a Crosby in that lineup. But, like, they'll have guys that will play that two-way game like crazy and, like, really grind grind down like the Russian stars. That always tends to kind so,
1: so of be the team that beats them. Think of Russia's team like this. You have Malkin. You have Kuznetsov. You still have Ovechkin and Panarin. Svechnikov. Radulov. Kucherov. Kaprasov. All the offs, Tarasenko, oh. And then the defense is looking better than it's been because you have Orlov still. Nesterov has turned his career around. Gabrikov's around there. It has uh, this article I'm looking at has Slava Please, no, he doesn't deserve it. Romanov, we might see what he turns into. Sergeyev and Ivan Provorov. Like I'm just the concerned yeah. Hmm?
2: Their centers, I'm just concerned about.
1: Well, you you can you can ride Malkin and Kuznetsov though. I don't think that's a problem. Like it's still a. It, it, I'm not gonna lie. Like I think their firepower still makes up. Like this is still Russia. I don't think they're an afterthought. And again, Alexander Ovechkin guy. Like, and like Panarin mm. might be a top five player in the league. Like, I, I think yeah. I think we're disrespecting the Russians a bit here. Like, and no, I don't think I don't think, like, I don't yeah, think
0: they no. beat Russia. I don't think Team B beats Russia. Oh, okay,
1: sorry, yeah, okay, good, 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 good. I think well, let me find Finland. I don't like, know about Finland.
0: I think they'll put. I think Team B will give a really good fight to Russia, but I think Russia beats out Team B.
1: Where is mm. Finland? I don't even see a Finland one here. Oh no, I do. It has Germany. Do they beat Germany? Does Team B beat Germany?
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh god. Unfortunately.
1: I forgot so I thought Sammy Vattenin was Swedish. He's Finnish apparently. All right. I think they can give so this is what Finland's looking like. You have Ras Corposalo, not even gonna mention Saros. Bristolinen is not terrible. Hanolo looked all right. Another year, Yoki Harju. Haskinen, Lindell, Vatnin, Nudavara. And then on the it, wings, the hero, Yoel Kiviranta. Harvey is starting to look like a real player, by the way. Tara Vinen, Line A, Barkov, Oho, Hintz, Kakinyemi, Kapanin, Rantanin, Tom Scott, wait,
2: pull, Sammy Kapanin. Puliarvi
0: not even on the blaster.
1: I'm looking at the hockey writers. Oh, race.
0: I'm looking at the athletic. That's why.
2: Check out the hockey writers.
1: Yeah, check out I, Minnesota. Well, man.
0: yeah, good point. Uh, I think the real question is: Is Rask going to be playing? Because it's the last year of his deal. Yeah. And it's been play. hinted. It's been hinted at retirement.
1: I think you can trust Corpus Salo. I think he he's proven that he, he's a good he's a good goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd probably prefer Rask, but especially with the rat the rest he's been getting with Halak. Um, you know, I, I think they could challenge to medal I, I don't think Like challenge, like bronze
0: Who, Wait, uh, team B or Finland?
1: B team I, I think Finland would give them a run Because Finland has that If anyone's, the you know, the thorn in the side It's always been Finland You know, all yeah. of a sudden That really good team back in the day And uh, I don't even think I saw Nick Ehlers on that Ehlers is Finnish, isn't he?
2: Uh... He
1: must be Nikki,
2: like these are.
1: <laughs> I think they could. I think they could challenge. He's I don't think Danish. He's from
2: Denmark. He's from.
1: Oh Denmark. no, it's him and Lars Eller. are their best players. What?
0: Are we yeah. missing someone, Daniel?
1: Who else is Danish? It's really good. Fredrick Anderson.
0: Oh yeah, Anderson. Wait, what? Frederick Anderson.
1: Yeah.
2: What else? <laughs> what else? Oh um oh no never mind uh let me let me search this hold on you just, just gotta this. search I mean, it up I can't, I can't, I can't it we out. should for next okay time. world oh, okay, juniors here, world here. juniors okay I got I got I got the list
1: okay
2: Franz Nielsen oh no Oliver Bjorkstrand
1: oh he's not bad that's not fair bad.
2: um I don't know if he's playing anymore Yannick Hansen I don't know
1: I don't think he's playing anymore
2: uh Philip Larson. I think he's still he's in the SHL. Uh, We're well, really pulling. In oh, Mikael Bokker. <laughs> Patrick is he Russell. He's still around. Is, um, where is Bokker? So. Like Dallas? No, he was.
1: Uh... What the hell is Mikael? Boyer? Oh, he's in
2: HC Lugano in... of the National League. Oh. So he didn't come back. He so was with San Jose. Are. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh wow. Oh no, he's with
2: oh, yeah. Ottawa because remember he got traded for uh, Mike Coffman. <laughs> Oh, yeah, when
1: they traded them. Is he in the still Sharks in Ottawa?
2: Team. No. No, no, he, he was last year. Uh, but, like, I think that cap is – that cap hits gone. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Uh, so is there then,
2: anyone else you'd like to shout out from the Danish hockey team? I'm looking at all-time stats right now on Quant Hockey. Um my friend Nielsen's the number one Danish player. He has 469 points in 908 games. Pretty impressive. No.
1: no. Um, um, all right, I, yeah, I think we move on, yeah. <laughs> all right, um, uh, Montreal and Toronto are all excited for this game. All right, um, they will be without Wayne Simmons, obviously. Um, Travis Derman is apparently back in the lineup, I'm learning from looking at our doc. All right, I'm gonna ask you guys what you're expecting out of both teams today. We will start with the visitors, we will start with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Alex. What are you looking for, the Leafs in this game?
0: Um, a better game than Monday. That's kind of what I'm looking for. Like they played really well. I mean, it's easy to play well against Vancouver, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But that besides the point, like I, I wanna see what I want to see them play like they've been playing. For the la like since the first two games, which I think has been quite um a steady team. Yeah, they have their downs, every team's have their downs, but it's being able to pick yourself up from those downs. And I think that's something that's always lacked from this team for the last four years. So I'm expecting a better performance than what I saw on Monday, because I felt like they only played the last period. The first two periods, it felt like they were treating it as practice. Um, in my eyes.
1: Daniel?
2: I think, yes, what Alex said, you know, there was a lot of complacency there against Vancouver, and I think you really need to tighten that up against a team like Montreal, and then this is going to be different from the first tilt, because going in, we saw the things with Ben sherat we saw, you know, the fight, we saw all those things, those hits going on, and you know, you're not going to have Wayne Simmons or Joe Thornton in, in mm. this lineup, so I think that a few bottom six guys are going to have to step up. I think that in terms of the cycles, you're going to have to get those two lines going, you know, again, embarrassing against the Canucks that, well, you had seven shots in 40 minutes. Yeah. You really need to fix that, especially with the offensive gifts you have to the team. Like Frederick Anderson's, you know, stood on his head against the Canucks, um, especially early on. So, yeah, a lot more consistency and just from the first period onwards, they're going to have to keep the momentum going, especially against a Montreal team that we've said has those lines that they're just going to keep throwing at you and Carey Price is going to be in that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was confirmed earlier by Claude Julien. Uh, Yolo Amir will probably be a game time decision as well. Um, if we're looking for anyone as well, it will be Travis Dermott coming back into the lineup, Alex.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. that's... Uh, the Leafs, for the first time... And I honestly couldn't tell you how many years, probably since I was, I became a Leafs fan, where we've had an issue on D, and it's actually been positive, because, mm-hmm. like, they're in a tricky situation. Like, I think I've changed my thoughts on the way the team looks with eleven forwards and seven defensemen. I just don't necessarily think that's going to work out the greatest, or at least the team hasn't looked the greatest. Uh, using that format. Um, mm-hmm. So they're going to like to ten- Miko Lennon has looked has the last few games with Durbin out. I think Miko Lennon's looked uh, pretty good and him and Zach Bogosian, I think it it's the pair that kind of works. It, it weirdly works well um, because he's Lightning's able to like move the puck. Bogosian is able to maul somebody down if need be what, like, He's Bogosian's able to do things that maybe Miko Letnin might not be able to do, and I think that's the perfect partner for him right now. On the other hand, you have Travis Dermott, who we've expected to take a step up, and I think you've seen in the years past and even this year a couple times that next step from him, but it needs to be a lot more consistent. And I think with Bogosian, um, with Letnin, and even Rasmus Sandin right behind him, I think it's going to push him to stay in that lineup. So I'm hoping for a very good
2: performance from Travis Dermott tonight. Was it Bogosian versus Corey Perry tonight?
1: We'll talk about that. Maybe. Because if Armia's in, you, you question what happens with um, with Perry and Armia. That's that's the question that everyone's looking for. Um Daniel, is there a specific player you are looking for tonight? Because Alex sort of mentioned there, uh Sandy and will be out tonight as well as Barrett Banov and in their places. We got Enval, we got Nick Patan, obviously there with Travis Dermitt. Mr. Wright's situation, Nick Patan.
2: Yeah, um I'm surprised, not because he's a bad player, but just how long he's been with the Leafs. Because I was excited when they got him, you know, solid little junior guy, but he's someone that you know, he always somehow finds his way back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. that uh, he never kind of gives up that uh, he is um, uh, our second coming of Tyler Ennis in a way that, you know, he just kind of fits in all situations. But for me, what I want to kind of see is John Tavares kind of take a bit of a step. I know he's been pretty consistent, but, you know, I a lot of the attention on like Marner, it's on like Austin Matthews in his streak right now. But like to see John Tavares kind of get out there and have like, a bit of a dominant game as well. Like, I think that would be great. Um, I get great for him. Great for the depth as well. And just great for like rolling out those lines because again, like what I said with like Montreal, like to try to like counter everything is going to be a bit of a weird thing when it gets to like the fourth line, but if they could get things going at the top six, then I think that it's going to be a pretty solid game out of him.
1: Mm-hmm. Alex, Ilya Mikheyev. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's it's
0: he's in such a weird situation because I think when we saw him play last year, obviously his first year in the NHL, it was, oh man, this guy could be the next, he can be our next Zach Hyman if he leaves, or he can be that second line Zach Hyman. And then obviously he got injured. So it was a very weird, we didn't, obviously we don't know what he is. And I think we're starting to get a glimpse. And I think there's a lot riding on him, not having hands and being able to score. And I think we've forgotten that Zach Hyman was in the exact same situation. Like when you see Zach Hyman, I'm not, in my opinion, I'm not comfortable with Zach Hyman making a, with a breakaway. I'm not, I, I don't know many people that are right. So I think, I think he has a very similar style to Zach Hyman. And I think he fits perfectly next to to Tavares and Nylander. And I don't know why we're having this discussion that we need to go out and get a second line Zach Hyman when he's kind of sitting here. Like, I think he's just been unlucky. I think he's very good. He just doesn't have hands. Has He
1: hasn't scored, has he? No. See, that's the thing. He has to score eventually. You can't just keep a guy in your top six playing with that talent and not score. But he
0: hasn't been playing on the top six. I
1: know, but he, you need the, what I mean is you need a guy in there though.
0: I know, but okay. But we were having, Leaf fans were having the same discussion about Zach Hyman. When the first couple of years, that first year with Matthews and Martin, I don't know. He put up, I think maybe 10 and then the year after he put up 15 goals, but It was like the amount of situations that he was in. He should have had more goals. Mm. Like, it's not like Ilya Mikheyev going to end the year on zero goals. Like, I think it's being blown out of proportion a little bit. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with the Leafs spending an asset on Sam Bennett. I'm not like, that's just, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's just the thing. And we talked about last episode It's the thing that keeps being thrown out there. Elia Mikheyev can do the same thing Sam Bennett does. So you're telling me you're going to go out and get in? An, like, sorry, Sam Bennett, this magical goal scorer that I missed. No, no. Like he's going to do the exact same thing. And then we're going to be having the same conversation, except this time we're one less asset. We have one less asset. If you are going to go out, make, then make an impact. But now you have to go out with no, like with no cap space and make this work. When you have a guy who can potentially get out of this rut.
1: Am I weird for not wanting to see... Sorry, am I weird for wanting to see Jason Spezza up there? I don't know why.
2: I could see it. Like, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind it
0: either. I just... Not the entire game. Because then it defeats the purpose of what we've been... Like, it's the same thing with Joe Thornton, right? It's that same discussion. Like, he really shouldn't be playing the entire game. Game next to Matthews and Marner. We no,
2: just need no. the bursts of 2006 and 7.
0: Because as the game goes on, the worse it's going to get. Mm. Like, I've
1: just been excited by Spezza not having the shackles of the centerman on. That's what's exciting yeah, me about yeah. Spezza. And I'd like to see what he'd be able to do on that line. For you know, Even if it was just a bit. Like, oh, do you maybe sort of sacrifice some need on, on the fourth line? Yeah, but I mean, the minutes that Marner and Matthews are playing right now. And, you know, a coach that's willing to play those guys more often. I think you can sacrifice a few lines against that, that fourth guys. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on the Leafs front you guys want to mention?
0: Uh, Zach Bregosian game-winning goal
2: tonight.
1: Okay. You if
2: things this. don't go well at the bottom six, I'd put Nylander back at center on the third line
0: no, stop, would, stop. Would why are you doing... Why, I don't know if you're... Are you serious? Would you actually I mean, do like, that?
2: it's worked before, like... No, wait
0: a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. It has never... It has not worked. It has not worked. They had to play him at center. They played him at center last year for, the like, the last period of game five when mm. when Nylander played center to the second line because they wanted to go all nuclear. And then when Kaju got suspended, he had to play center again. And it's just... He's not a centerman. I'm sorry. I mean, like,
2: in terms of depth, I'm like, I don't know. I'll, I'll see. We'll if, see.
1: If they're in a matchup, I think Montreal eats him alive and down the middle. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he would be, mind, like, he'd probably go against what? Either the Toffoli or the Byron line. And those guys just, they play that sort of a smother game too much. I just, at center, I don't think that is a position. You would have put Engvall on his
2: line all. just to help up with the size?
1: No, that wouldn't. No, I could
2: only dream. Like,
0: I'd rather play Engvall at center. Okay. Even in the bottom six. Like, he's done it
2: before. Mm-hmm. He's been flying out there. But not Nylander. Not Nylander, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know why. I have a soft spot for the center projects. Like, Chicago's done it with Patrick Kane. The Ducks did it with Bobby Ryan. The Canadians did it with Jonathan Druin.
1: Those were all projects that just clearly were not going to work. Like, <laughs> you have to...
2: Give us some better projects here daniel
0: come it's on a
1: damn, <laughs> it's a damn demanding position the centerman you can't just plop a guy in there and be like all right go yeah especially like i i just don't think that's gonna work i don't see willie as a centerman either. Like, i just no. don't think that's
0: his game like so, even zach hyman they tried zach hyman they i mean they had to on the penalty kill and i think the work ethic and he has the skill the skill outside of the face offs but i think he got he he's getting you're getting a on the face off i think that's where it fell for him.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, then. Uh, looking at the other side of this. Uh, I look at Montreal today, and I think with Simmons out, I think, and looking at last game, and I just have this image of Sherrod and Matthews going back and forth, I think I'm looking for a Canadiens team that are going to impose themselves physically tonight. We already know their speed game. We know their possession game. But I feel like the Canadians. And looking at Sherrod because of the game he played that first game, and Josh Anderson with the words he had afterwards, I think those are two guys I'm definitely looking at tonight for Montreal to really, really try and uh, and pull out a win tonight.
2: I have two things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The first is when you said that you're looking at this team tonight, you could actually say I'm been I'm looking at this team outside your window. Yes. <laughs> uh, second, um, I completely agree with you. I think that what we talked about before in the off season that what this North division gives and the way Montreal has been able to build itself that, you know, this is just going to become, you know, what we wanted out of a rivalry. Like things have reignited in a way. I remember Elliot Freeman talked about that. He mentioned in the summer too, where you look at what Montreal has been able to do. And he mentioned that the Toronto Montreal rivalry has a bit more, of an edge to it now than we talk about with the battle of Ontario because of given what Ottawa's situation is. So I think that this will continue to be something that we're going to look at with the Canadians that just like what I've said before, so many times that, that that difference in the last two years, what they've been able to do and really carve out an actual identity now where they're going to go up against a top team. They're going to go against like a team like the Leafs and still be able to do things with what they have, like rolling out there. And again um that toughness you've mentioned that josh anderson thing like we were unsure but we were we what the canadians were getting with him but i think he's become like one of the most important guys and then i thought that and then to get tyler Foley, where now like like suddenly i just kind of think that they're gonna go in tonight and they're gonna try to impose things again because i said simmons isn't there because like thornton isn't there that they they're, they're going to be able to play their game a bit better. There's going to be a bit more intimidation tonight, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think you make a really good point there about the rivalry. Because to I think to really have a top-notch rivalry, both teams have to be good. And I think we've we, like Pittsburgh Pittsburgh and Philadelphia those years where they met in the playoffs, even the regular even in the regular season, it's it wasn't boring. Like, that's for sure. Like, some of the greatest rivalries, like, even Ottawa and Toronto in the 2000s. Like, it was good because they were both good or somewhat Mm -hmm. good, right? I think we got to stop artificially trying to create rivalries, or the NHL does. Yeah,
1: I don't necessarily agree with either of you there. I I think it helps, yeah. But, you know, these teams have a certain ability to sort of, you know, they – they play at each other's levels, um, either if it's going up or down. I think That's you true. see the same with the Sens in Boston I, 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 it helps when they're better. You want the more fireworks um, but I think regardless they're always great games. It's just the stakes are what make it I think that level higher and but uh, yeah. well, well, we do have that right now in the North Division, but the separation that Montreal and um, that Montreal and Toronto are sort of building right now and I'll ask you guys what I, what I asked about. The Leafs, and that is what expect exactly what you're expecting out of Montreal tonight. Um,
0: I'm not expecting anything different than what I I expected the first game. It's going to be tough, and and I think they're going to come out swinging with goal, whatever it may be. Like it's it's going to be. I think from it's going to be a good game. Like I don't think it's going to be. I think we walked into the first game. We had an idea it was going to be a little bit sloppy because first game of the season, no preseason, shortened training camp, and and from my perspective, I think it was a little bit uh, sloppy, at least from Toronto's side of things. Um, and I think this game is going to be it's going to be better. And for Montreal, I think if they just have that same game plan that they pretty much had for the entire season, and being able to roll those roll all the lines, all four offense lines, all four, uh, all three, sorry, defensive pairings, I I don't think they're going to have much of an issue.
1: Dan?
2: For me, and I think that's the one word that comes to my mind is confidence, is that what we see with the guys that have been in Montreal that are the skilled guys that I think they're playing with a lot more confidence now. They are just playing their game. They've been able to kind of excel in that because I think that, there's that reassurance that there's the depth now that there's the accountability if you know someone makes a run on them, that that's what I like kind of get with Montreal and it's it's going to be exciting to see like them go against the Leafs again based on what they've been able to do like so far this season.
1: Something else I I really I wonder looking ahead tonight is is what the pushback is going to be. Like the again on the physical game of it, um, I I forget what play it was, and it was very so it was something very very simple, and it was Matthews just finishing a check, and I'm like, I forgot he's a heavy bastard, and I'm really really excited to see what Ben Sherrod and Austin Matthews are going to be like tonight. I'm about to interesting. Guys,
0: but... I mean, not even just Ben Sherrod. I think. I think from. The, the Leafs perspective I think a lot of them have the extra Have an extra oomph Because of the guys they brought in Um, Even with Wayne Simmons out and I think For me I think the guy who's changed The most is Austin Matthews
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, But I don't know Because I think with Montreal I don't know if they have to Necessarily change their Their game Game plan because if they play if they play with confidence, like Daniel said, if they play tough, if they play get in the corners, most of the guys in in the Canadian division that will beat them. That'll beat that team. And I think Toronto's still learning how to play that game. and if you come in with that game game plan, it's going to be an interesting night.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else in this front we want to say there guys?
2: i'm excited i think so yeah other than i'm excited
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's a lot wow. of vancouver games in a row i'm not i like you know i, I like certain players on the canucks but I, I needed a bit of a you know like because we, we we relied a lot on the canucks story of like man game after game so like finally i think like i like that we get to push this narrative again
1: mm-hmm.
2: between the habs and the leaves
1: mm-hmm. all right um that is everything, then. Uh, unless, you know what, um, we can do a final Twitter check to see if anything is breaking, hopefully, fully, fully.
0: Hopefully not.
1: Um, okay, oh, By that... Is- Something's not- going
2: to happen in, like, 20 minutes after, like, Wrong. we stop recording. I know. I can already feel it. Just the way it works.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. Josh Anderson looking to extend his goal streak to four games. Didn't know he was on that. <laughs> all right um excellent 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 all right um well if you enjoy this episode of the show well thank you very much for watching we appreciate it and if you really liked it let's say you, you're on the podcast app on ios i'll well, give the show a five-star rating and, and review and all that type of stuff check out the show's youtube channel for visual experience of the show the instagram the twitter all that lovely stuff including our own socials um check out my YouTube channel. Alex's blog, Daniel Stuffer, Eye Opener, as well as the Hockey Riders from the Minnesota Wild. Um, thank you, The Voice Ed. As always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Follow us anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, whether that's iHeartRadio or just anything. We're there somehow. We don't know how, but um, we are there. I think that's everything, guys.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you.